0: Hey listen up Yeah we here and we locked in Let's keep it going all the way to the top 10 We feel the turtle so it's no other option
1: Fred and Ryan just watch them Let's take it to the max It's the shell and tell They come with all the facts It's the shell and tell Let's take it to the max It's the shell and tell They come with all the facts It's the shell and tell, tell. What's up, Turf fans? Fred and Ryan back for another episode of the Shell and Tell podcast. Uh, it's Monday, November 1st, and we got an action-packed show for you. It's just Ryan and I back to our roots as Ahmed is uh, burning the midnight oil over at uh, Inside Black and Gold.
0: Yeah, be sure to check out what he's got going on down there. Must be a big project rolling out, uh, but we don't worry. He is, will still be part of the show as... He got to go to the postgame pressers and speak with Coach and uh, Chaelin Falmatau a little bit after the game. Yeah, we're also going to talk some
1: recent basketball developments and uh, some of the breakout stars from the homecoming win
0: versus Indiana. Oh, there were definitely some new stars to look at. Yeah, We talk about the stadium experience, uh, took another step in the right direction, and maybe touch on a couple of the big recruits out of Florida. I'm sure we'll let the details come back when uh, <laughs> when our recruiting expert joins us again next week.
1: That's right. That's right. All right, well, like we have the last couple of weeks, let's start off with some basketball news. Is The uh, Terps men's squad had an open practice over the weekend that we talked a little bit about last week. I uh, heard the turnout was as good as a practice turnout could be. Lots of positive feedback around the team uh, as they kind of broke up into a red versus black scrimmage. They had a 20-minute scrimmage. Team red with the win led by Eric
0: Ayala. Here
1: he's looking really good and comfortable.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know... Led the Eric Ayala bandwagon train from the beginning. Uh, you know, <laughs> took a little step back his sophomore year, but it's been pretty on the much on the up and up throughout. I, I, I expect some big things from him now back out in the shooting guard position.
1: Yeah, if he can continue to be confident and shooting the ball as good as he was at the end of the year and carry that into this year, uh, it's going to be big things for this squad, especially adding some of the newcomers along with him a uh, high praise going around for both of them that's Russell uh, I'm hoping we can see this kid make an immediate impact because all the reviews we're hearing about him his speed and his ability to
0: slash have really really stand out so far at practice yeah it's really interesting like getting these transfers coming in and not be like a you know back-end role player that's kind of what you are used to is like we need to fill this tiny hole like these guys are projected as being some of your leaders, like immediately right. coming in the gate. Both Fats Russell and Quotas Wahab, both of them making top 20 in the Big Ten on a lot of these rankings. I mean, these guys are going to be a big part of this rotation. Well, you mentioned Wahab.
1: But they, the word was the team was running a lot of plays to get him touches in the post, uh, which is a much, much needed addition to the low post for this team. That was something that sorely lacked last year.
0: Yeah, it absolutely. And going against some of the big guys in the Big Ten, you need them got some news on one of those big guys why don't you let the people know what's going on with our favorite mcdonald's lawsuit
1: player (laughs) at the questionable last name Illinois big man kofi cockburn coburn how you want to
0: pronounce that it's cockburn get over (laughs) yourself buddy
1: suspended for the first three games of the season due to selling merch but here's the kicker to the whole thing selling merch a month prior to the whole nil implementation that happened in july
0: So right now you can sell all the merch you want. Right, you could didn't wait a month. This is like couldn't hold out thirty more days. You this couldn't like get something Mar- a little under the table for thirty more days. This is like Marcus Vick robbing <laughs> McDonald's before the NFL draft. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's only three games. It's not huge, but this is a team They're not that- playing anybody that they're gonna lose to.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be the powder puff portion of the score- schedule. Uh, but this is a team that's it- it's. Right now, they're ranked above the Terps. you got Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, and Ohio State all in the Big Ten ranked higher uh, than the Terps in the preseason AP polls, so this is a team with high expectations of a guy like
0: Coburn coming back. It's really important to have Quotas Wahab on this team to, to battle with these big bodies that cross the Big Ten. That's why you can let Dante Scott get back to his natural position because even though we had taller, longer players that were technically the fives, they could not defend these monster trucks that were playing in the middle. He was having to body up on defense on everybody. So to let him you know, he's already slimmed down because he doesn't have to do that work and get out there and really show his athleticism. It's going to be a whole new player out there on the court.
1: Yeah, last year we were kind of playing this whole positionless basketball type thing where, yes, Dante Scott could play the five if need be, but he's not a prototypical five. And I think Wahab comes in and slides right into that that spot and I think really rounds out that starting five. Uh, so I'm excited to see what this team could do moving forward. But speaking of Terps, man, we heard news today. Former Terp Jalen Smith sticks apparently is already going to be a free agent in the NBA. The former number overall 10 pick in the draft, not getting his third year rookie option picked up by the Suns.
0: Yeah, it's a little strange. Um, It doesn't sound like it's all that like dooming of the individual player. It's just the fact that that position on that team was just so loaded. I don't know why they didn't like sign and try to trade and get something back. They're just literally cutting bait. And it's um, a, and a, it
1: would have been a low option. It was like four or five million or something. Yeah, it, it wasn't was somewhere much
0: between those two numbers. I wasn't. I mean, in NBA numbers, that's nothing. You got, right. You know, we, when they made the salary cap go up, you had like six men making eighty million a year. Like, yeah, there are all kinds of. I'm pretty sure going the on. beer
1: vendors make more
0: than that in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave. I mean, that's that's definitely a, a low number on a sport where you're paying ten guys. So I don't know why they didn't sign him. Um, I he, expect that he will be on another squad here very shortly. I don't think he's gonna be a free agent for long.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. I wonder if he bounces back quickly and finds a fresh start somewhere. Cause sometimes it really is just a system and somebody needing a fresh start and finding the right, you know, like I said, system to fit your skill set. There's no questioning the ability of Jalen Smith. Uh he had actually some some really good success in the summer league uh and in the preseason prior to to this to this news breaking today uh so as your to your point I, I don't think it'll be long before he's picked up
0: i honestly think he'll make more money this year than he would have with his option i'm sure it doesn't feel great right now i'm sure it feels a little nerve-wracking you thought you had two more years of guaranteed money because right. nobody really turns down the third and fourth year options here but uh, i think he'll end up working out for him at least in the short term
1: and that's a gm owning his own shit right i mean it's it's kind of rare to see a first round pick a top 10 pick get cut that fast uh, But, you know, instead of falling on the sword, man, he's moving on and trying to find the replacement. So I can't blame him. Yeah,
0: I wish I'd Stick with the best.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right. So we got to talk football, man. As uh, the Terps finally get back on the winning side of things after a long losing streak of three games in a row, uh, Terps beat Indiana 38 35 to get the 5 and 3 on the season. One win away now at this point from bowling, Ryan. But the schedule gets really, really tough from here on out. This is where
0: we get nervous, baby. What have yeah. been saying for, what, like four or five weeks ever since we started losing that the most Terps thing ever would be get to five and seven and then just, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't I don't know, man. I still think we get it. I still think we have, you know, a very winnable game against Rutgers, and anybody can slip any day. So now that you're in striking distance, it really feels good. Nobody thought the Illini were taking down Penn State. Nobody's going to think Maryland's going to beat their next three opponents. But you never know. Any given Saturday, that's why they play the game. That's right. Any given Saturday, anything can happen. Uh, Penn
1: State is up next. But let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, as Mike Loxley, I think, in his post game presser, kind of summed up all of our feelings on this win as we listened to what he had to say.
2: You know, as I just told the team, uh, you know, it definitely wasn't a pretty game. But, but we'll take it. Um, you know, we needed it. Our players deserved it. Uh, obviously. Uh, a lot of things to still get cleaned up from it, but it's always good when you can clean mistakes up uh, with a victory. You know, I'm proud about, proud of how our guys fought and stuck together uh, this week. They really worked hard this week, and we continue to challenge them each and every day as coaches. And like I said, I feel like they deserve the win. Um, you know, we always know that it's we prepare for a four-quarter game, uh, and today it was. Now it didn't have to be, but it was, and we found a way to make the plays. Whether it was on our the four minute drive with the offense going up two scores with the field goal, whether it was the hands team finishing on the field day. Uh, Give credit to Tom Allen and Indiana. Uh, I know they're banged up and those guys fought till the end and and, and that's what the big 10 is all about. Um, We need to build off this win. Obviously we've got an opponent coming in next week that that we know all too well. Um, It's a great opportunity for us to kind of go back to neutral, refocus um, and like I said welcome Penn State into the shell and Hopefully, you know we can get our fans out here to help come support uh, next week to try to help us get the
0: number six. Like you said, not a pretty win, but definitely a pretty first quarter. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was
1: definitely a game of runs. You had the 14-point lead to jump things off. You had the lull in the second quarter. Then things picked back up in the second half. This is the kind of game, to his point, though, you need to build off of this win uh, and continue to stay hot when you got a challenging schedule coming up ahead. Uh, with the next three games
0: yeah I mean we've definitely had some new production which helps with the building process uh, whether it was Fleming continuing his hot run from the second half last week yeah Carlos Carrier having the game of his life that we'll Career get into very game. very deeply as this uh, it- uh, podcast goes on and even for some new production on the defensive line with tyler boyd who ends up uh, is a junior defensive lineman i looked out there i'm like who is this big boy doing work i had to literally <laughs> pull out my phone and find out who it was right i was like all right local kid producing let's go baby right and chop was all over the field it was a whole new level of his his involvement so uh, on, on top of Mr. Mosley playing, I think every position on defense at this point.
1: Yeah, for sure, he was all over the field in this game. Uh, we saw Ruben get a little bit more active and, and a little bit more involved in some of the playmaking in this game. He had a big game in this game. Uh, but here's the thing: w- walking into the stadium, I really didn't know what to expect. Uh, from a fan perspective, uh, you know, the, again, coming off of three big losses, uh, back to back to back, and we know just typically around this fan base it can be very fair weather fans i'd probably put the number at maybe 55 60
0: capacity at best would you say that's right i mean walking in it was that i think we got closer to that 70 percent, but i don't know i we didn't see the upper deck very much yeah um so who knows if that was full it changed if it was empty it doesn't but I, I didn't see the, the number that was announced. I'm sure it wasn't great. Um, and then also just it was the noon game problem. So that was the, the first noon game that we yeah. had went to uh, for the year. And uh, I think it's the first noon game Fred's baby ever seen because 2019 <laughs> he rolled into the Ohio State game with us which was packed out already and then we missed all last year so that, that the noon games are a problem and especially when you are just learning that hey I, I can't just get to the tailgate and slowly do what I feel like right but that the, the student section looked like garbage when we walked in the stadium but by about five minutes into the game it was packed up pretty good
1: yeah and, and they were pretty loud and boisterous you know they they definitely let their presence know we heard the uh f penn state multiple times
0: during yep. the game as they're getting amped up for next week those guys are apparently going to come next week like, <laughs> right. like like Loxley said we need the crowd back i think this win will be enough to do it for penn state again you drop you know down behind 14 points it's going to empty quickly out of that stadium but we'd be in a 330 start being a rival being the fact that you just came off a win, I think you'll get a really good showing from the students, and I think you'll get a pretty good showing from the rest of the fans.
1: And it seems like they really rounded out the stadium experience. I know it's kind of silly for some of you guys out there that we talk about this a lot, but we've been super excited about the new screen and the unveiling of the screen and just how massive and how nice that screen is. Well, this was the first week we got a chance to see how that screen would perform in a bright daylight kind of sunshiny day it did pretty well it's a little dim did pretty well uh but i think the thing that i was most impressed with is they really rounded out the sound uh with this whole you know audio redoing that they did uh it's finally done and it sounded really really good
0: yeah they've had this sound on there for this is the third game, and yeah. the first game it was really bad. It was still and the, the second...
1: temporary sound that first game, I believe.
0: Oh yeah, the second game was uh, the problem was you could not understand any of the announcers. There yeah. was no ability, like the different The mu- sound, the music sounded good. Everything was good on the music side, but all of the microphone in things were not balanced correctly. You could not hear anything. It was a whole jumbled mess. That sound system hit perfect this week. Now, music choice, we could debate that all day long. I don't know what Marilyn does playing some of the weird- ass Backstreet
1: Boys and NSYNC. What are we I, doing?
0: There was even, like, uh, I can't remember one of those uh, girls from the 90s that Kaylee was singing during the game. I don't remember. <laughs> like, what are, we, what are we playing here? I guess we just pick up all the free songs. I don't know.
1: I mean, I know it was Halloween, <laughs> but was it Back to the Future night or what the hell? It was like a 20-year flashback in time.
0: But it really does. It changes the experience. It keeps you more engaged it keeps the people that are like you know the casual fans the kids the the wives the the people that are just you know going there for a game because somebody wants to go for their birthday it keeps those people more engaged and happier longer well speaking of the kids and i said it was halloween you had the girls there dressed up in their princess dresses and you were uh, an overnight celebrity as you guys were on the board a couple of times yeah, we got them. We finally got him on the board for the Jersey Mike's Jersey Cam. I always try every week. I got two beautiful blonde-haired identical twin girls. I figure it's a ringer for that for the thing. That slam dunk. Know. It took, what it took putting them in full-blown princess outfits and uh, the stadium being at, like, 60% for me to get on the screen. But my first time on the screen, we took down the win. We got we, we got ourselves some free subs, baby. <laughs> it definitely was your daughter's. Uh, you've got a face for podcasting, so it
1: wasn't you. It wasn't that round
0: belly oh, in that I, red jersey. I know that I'm not dancing with my jersey. I, I put the girls on my shoulders every time. I know that what my hook, line, and sinker is.
1: Uh, that was awesome, though, to see you guys up on the board. It was cool. All right, well, we got to talk about the game itself. Before we get into the high-flying attack of the offense this week, let's start in on the D as Messiah Nassil Akite tells you what he thought the difference was this week. The energy was there today.
2: Uh, Our defense, everybody was locked in, you know, from first string to fourth string. Everybody
3: was there and in it. Um, And I think that's just really all we needed to be focused and bring the energy because that's a big part of defense. So we just need to keep doing that.
1: Well, he did that and more, man, as he was our defensive player of the game, as he led the team in tackles this week and picked up a big sack.
0: Yeah, tied for the team leading tackles with uh, Mosley and tied for the team leading sacks with a couple guys. Uh, Definitely had a game to remember. Uh, My man was all over the field. It's just... We, we need that defensive line production. He's yeah. one of the bright spots that keeps it coming.
1: He was, for sure. Now, there were some of the other guys that we kind of went back and forth on for defensive player of the game. Jordan Mosley, as you mentioned earlier, had a big game in this game, also tied for the league or the team lead in in tackles with eight. Uh, Jacorian Bennett, I'm going to tell you now, he was inches, not even inches. He was there. He was in position, had ball on hand. Uh, from an interception that would have sealed this game, more than likely would have been a pick six, and 100% he would have been the defensive player of the game. But not only does he miss that pick, it ends up turning into a positive offensive play for Indiana as that goes for like a 20 yard gain.
0: Unbelievable yeah. bad luck. That throw was 10 yards from his wide receiver, hit our defender <laughs> in both hands, went straight up in the air to the offensive player that is still like eight yards away. Right. Like, he hadn't even came to defend the ball, he just, the ball happened to glance all the way to where he was standing. It was unbelievable the lucky bounce they got on that play. It's just things that just seem to keep happening. (laughs) Yeah, and immediately all the, oh, God, this is the kind of way that this game's going to go and we're going to end up
1: losing on something stupid like this where we could have sealed the deal, but uh, obviously the Terps hold on and win this game. Uh, The energy was there uh, on the defensive side. Really, first string all the way through, third, fourth string. Uh, and that's what defense is all about, and I
0: think Messiah uh, hit on that in his interview as well. Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of question marks on the other side or the third side of the ball here with special teams. Again, yeah. the failures, questionable decisions. Uh, I don't like Loxley chasing points. I know you were kind of okay with it when they went on fourth and one yeah. Um, in the first half because they had – Missed a field goal earlier and I guess they just felt like it was momentum swing there. I would have taken the field goal in that in that realm. I told you that before we ever, you know, lost the fourth and one Uh, the fumbles on the punt return. Luckily, it didn't cost him again. He pulled like a full Deshaun Jackson move back there. Uh, to drop the ball, pick it up, and get a 15-yard return out of it. Right. Uh, but you just keep having problems. We had the missed field goal, like I mentioned, and then a blocked punt that he had no chance of getting off his foot. I don't think those guys no. were in the backfield so fast. Yeah, special
1: teams definitely still has some work to be done. Uh, to your point though about chasing points in the first half, I'm just of the mindset because when you look at the statistics and and you look at the analytics of everything. Anything on fourth and one, the chances are much greater that you're going to convert that fourth and one. I understand the game, you know, it's early. You need every point that you can get. Take the three points there. But I, I never have a problem with a coach if they want to go for it on fourth and one
0: because chances are they're going to get it. Indiana just beat us out on that one play. I mean, I think chances are most teams are going to get it. I think that the <laughs> statistics say that the average should be you're getting three yards per game or, or or play three yards per carry it's kind of how the game works and we average well below that at like 2.1 a carry this game so it makes makes those statistics on fourth and one a little scarier when you can't get up to three yards a carry
1: yeah well i'm gonna say this you had uh, an interesting guy lined up at fullback in this game and cj dupree that's a big boy on fourth and one give that ball to him let him go through there and get that yard, that extra yard. Or yeah, that was you,
0: later in in the goal line setup. He no, I know, but he could have been out pick, there earlier been, on yeah.
1: that and got you that extra yard. Or you got big boy Penny Boone standing on the sideline. What's the
0: deal? Why is he not out there getting that extra yard? Well, as we'll hear later, Penny Boone ended up being a healthy scratch from this game. All right,
1: switching to offense, we start with the star. It was a hard man to excite because after the game of his life, this is about the most animated answer he had in his post game presser.
2: Um, we still stay in touch with the whole group collectively and just the biggest thing for me is just upholding the standard that we've set as a group and being prepared for not only them but the rest of the team and the staff
0: carlos carrier man a few words bro i'm telling you i combed his interview i wanted to give this man the highlights i wanted to bring it but this dude's got a future in politics he <laughs> sat up there For not very long because the reporters kind of gave up on him because every question they asked, he batted away and just said, you know, the team, the process. He wouldn't talk about his production. He wouldn't talk about when they would add other players. They are like, yeah, well, how about, you know, what about the – the options of you and Fleming getting uh, extra opportunities. We talk. Nope, we're back to the team. We're back to this. This guy found out that you're not supposed to talk about yourself, and he sticks to it. There was, that's, that's, it, it was kind of impressive.
1: <laughs> yeah, usually you don't see that until you get guys at the pro level uh, where they've kind of gotten that all together. And for a guy that hasn't played a whole lot of football, uh, it's surprising to see him coached up so well in that sense. Uh, but this also goes to some of our concerns that we talked about last week about are the players still buying into the, you know, the program and it's still bought into the message that Loxley is driven. And honestly, in all of these clips, I think that we're hearing from all of these players, it sounds like nothing has changed in that sense. And it sounds like everybody is still bought into the, uh, the Loxley outlook and program.
0: Yeah, there's definitely the, the verbiage and all the things that Loxley produces is all. Yeah. Even throughout all these comments. I will say that some of the, uh, kind of reading between the lines of like, we really needed this. We were on a slump, like kind of like agreeing. Because some people are like, "It's one game." You know, that's kind of what you, that what you you are the textbook here gonna hear. But there was a little bit of honesty on some of these guys about how much this win really meant to them and they needed it in the moment, and really can get them back engaged. So I'm wondering if maybe these players weren't really losing it, but maybe somebody else was in the locker room. Right. That's a good point.
1: Carlos carrier, though we talked about a career day uh, I think it was an easy decision here for our offensive player of the game as he goes for eight catches one hundred and thirty four yards two touchdowns, the long of forty five uh, and the thing about the two touchdowns was it wasn 't that he was just wide open in space, blown coverage, and he just you know was the man that was there open this guy made a couple of db 's miss uh, and and created plays out in space. Uh, again, for a guy that just hasn't seen the whole lot of the field, man, he looked like a seasoned vet out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of started on a very strange play. It was a short pass right in front of our seats where about six guys tried to tackle him and they just blew it dead. Like he was Derrick Henry standing out there, standing still. Right. Like you couldn't get him to the ground. And kind of from then on, he was the dude. Like, I, I don't know what switch that play tripped, but it was it. It was over.
1: Right. Exactly. Now, when we were going through this whole offensive player of the game, obviously, if you're just looking at the stat line, Talia could have been an easy pick if you're just looking at the box score. 26 of 40, 419 yards. I can't even remember the last quarterback in Turp's history. that threw for over 400 yards. It's been a long time. Uh might have been Danny O'Brien. It's been, a, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, and he had two touchdowns this game. Key here, no interceptions, no turnovers. Uh, but it wasn't all sunshine and roses for talia as there's certain things just did not show up in the box we in this game
0: yeah there were a couple things that you know we, we were talking driving home why he was i mean honestly we didn't want to give talia his third <laughs> offensive player of the game so we're already like leaning away from the and you can't go away you from you can't carrier. go away from the absolute like firestorm that was carrier right but the the, the two things that really got to me was uh Toya got away with one really bad throw he had just as equally bad interception dropped on his side as we dropped from their quarterback ball was nowhere near the wide receiver hit the defender right in the hands and the dude ended up laying on his face by the time the play was over i'm not really sure why i guess the ball was thrown so hard it knocked him over right <laughs> and then he also got fleet davis absolutely killed on a wide receiver screen that should have never been thrown because the. It- because Brian Cobbs had already missed his block before that ball ever left his hands. Right, and you mentioned screen. That is one thing that was, uh, let's just say
1: over repetitive in this game in a in a negative way. There were way too many screen pass attempts in this game when the when obviously
0: esque
1: yeah when the (laughs) when it was obvious the defense was sitting there waiting for it in the flats. I mean they had it covered every single time it wasn't producing anything but yet continuously the coaching staff went to it.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know what was going on there, Carlos. After a heavy debate between Fred and I, also ended up with the play of the game. Yeah, uh, (laughs) which was his second touchdown. Uh, I, I was on the other side of that one, but I understand where we went with it. Yeah. So, tell the fans what was your other side of the play. So, well, first I'll talk about Carlos's play here. So, Carlos had an amazing juke move on a short hitch to the left side. Ended up dropping that guy and running away from a safety it was an awesome play yeah but but in my mind it was his play he did all of it like talia did pretty much nothing on that play he got it to him five yards downfield it felt like a dj Moore touchdown you know the, the wide receiver did the work uh the play that stuck in my head and felt like the terps have developed something the terps are headed in the right direction have a future was earlier in the game didn't score any points and it was uh talia throwing to uh challenge Famatau. um and what happened was talia takes a snap he notices a mismatch of a defensive end trying to cover a running back it's just not going to happen bro that's not it's a really bad matchup right uh they try to he puts his hand up to get hit in the flat talia gives him a little hand signal and to keep going deep and burns the guy, and hits him on a beautiful touch pass that we've been waiting for all year. All year we've been complaining that, bro, when they're open, stop throwing a bullet like 90 yards downfield. Give him some air to get under it. Right. He threw a beautiful pass, and I think it was a 34, 37-yard gain. Um, and, and it just it showed that the players are working together. It showed the development in practice. It showed the cohesion. And that's why, to me, that was the play of the game. But it was really hard to get that in 140 characters on Twitter. <laughs> Listen, I, I understand the,
1: the thought process behind it, and I understand why it was. It was a beautiful play, uh, and it was something that we had been asking for for a while, and to see it executed to perfection the way it was was beautiful. I 100% agree with you. I it just, was definitely it, the prettiest damn play of the day. It, prettiest <laughs> play of the day. I'll give you that. But it, in my mind, it, when we're talking play of the game, it's the most impactful play of the game. And this carrier play, again, Yeah, Talia didn't have to do a whole lot. He threw basically a six-yard hitch route, and Carrier did the rest from there. But it came in the fourth quarter. It put the Terps up by two scores. Uh, It gave them that cushion that the defenses needed because the defense had to hold on to it. I mean, they only ended up winning that game by three. Uh, And to do it late there in the fourth quarter, I just thought it was a more impactful play. Uh, But I understand your argument on the other side.
0: Famitell, I fought for you. And also, I think a little (laughs) bit was too like, we have yet to duplicate the same player for two things in one week and so that was part of my head was like no there's definitely another contender that we can go with
1: (laughs) (laughs) well coach talked about Carlos and his big day let's hear what coach had to say
2: yeah you know can't be more proud than a guy like Carlos Carrier and you know he's been around here I think this is year five for him um, you know, he's a guy that's kind of always been a role player. And again, with injuries, we always talk about next man stepping up. And, you know, it was great to see, you know, we made the decision. Obviously, we, we flipped him and put him in as the starter. And Daryl came off the bench, you know, some of that's based off of production. And it was great to see Carlos take advantage of the opportunity to be a starter today. Uh, did a great job of uh, executing the the things that we did, I mean, based off of what the looks they gave us. So, you know, couldn't be more happy for Carlos having an opportunity to contribute the way he did today and really make the plays necessary. And we needed guys to step up, and he did big
1: time. And I think this is great, man, because this is where you see Uh, having a little bit of a shorter leash pays off to your benefit, right? Because if a guy like Daryl Jones and you you put him out there and he's not producing to the expectation that you had hoped for, you got other guys that are out there. You got a lot of pieces at wide receiver that we've talked about that, you know, they're really – from what we've seen, there hasn't been a lot of separation between them. When you talk about tiers of wide receiver – the, the top three were tier one and everybody else was kind of tier three everybody kind of fall into that group so you have that short lease. so that way you kind of rinse and repeat and put new guys in there swing guys in and out to see who can actually get hot uh and get a connection with talia and and, and carrier and talia really really clicked in this game
0: yeah i mean i don't want to undersell coach i know that execute's the right word for the fact that he's coached these guys up and taught them where to be um, and there's a lot of truth in that because you've seen the development of Fleming and you've seen the development of Kerry in the last couple of games but execute doesn't cover some of this stuff it doesn't cover the effort individual plays of not being tackled after the play the extra the extra five yards after contact are just manning up and just bulldozing people on that on the touchdown to just roll over bodies you don't execute those things like that is a individual player making individual plays you that's that's a, more than the system
1: yeah I, I 100% agree with that uh it's just it was he was a big surprise again it's a just, huge surprise <laughs> yeah our preseason takes on wide receivers and whoever we thought would have an impact carrier wasn't even in our thought process at that point
0: yeah, I mean, I know Ahmed mentioned him just as like a older big body, but we kind of dismissed it and he yeah. wasn't our number one in that, in that category either. Um, myself, I jumped all the way down to our sophomore wide receivers. I didn't think anything really of our, our, our junior and seniors that weren't the Dante Demas and Deshaun Jones of the world. Well- so. I was dead wrong.
1: But what he provides is he provides that size that Demas, uh, that we lost in De- not having Demas out there. He is a six five receiver. He might not be quite as strong as Demas. He might not have all the physical tools as Demas, but he gives you that big body that in those red zone type situations or those jump ball situations where Talia's got to get rid of the ball and you got to throw it up to the tallest guy on the team, he can be that guy. Absolutely. He was that guy this game. Yeah. I think the other surprising player this year, and we've talked a little bit about him, Shallon, uh, he discusses both his and Carlos opportunities and the work that got them there uh, in this game.
3: Uh, From day one, uh, Coach Locks, you know, talks about, you know, next man up mentality and, uh, you know, taking advantage of opportunity. And, uh, you know, if if you look at my story and where where I came from and, you know, how long it took me to be here, um, I don't ever take that for granted, you know, every opportunity I get out there, I like it's my last. Um, and, you know, with Los and, and, and I, who, you know, who hardly wasn't playing in the beginning of the season, um, we prepare every game like if we were going to start or we we're going to have a lot of touches or, you know, receptions. So um, it felt great uh, to make use of the opportunity, um, but we're going to get back to work and uh, fix our mistakes that we have um, in the film room and uh, get ready for Penn State
0: next week. Yeah, I mean, both these kids, their stories, man. I mean, you're talking about carrier was an under-recruited player under Durkin who just kind of got buried on this depth chart under a new regime after everything fell apart and he lived through that you know debacle that was the end of the Durkin era and you know Jalen who was a walk-on transfer that got his scholarship you know moments before this season started neither one of them will be expect would be the starters in this game and they were not just in
1: this game but I honestly like yeah I mean the story behind Fama going into this year getting the scholarship and everything and doing that and the whole announcement at Raven stadium. Uh, it was a cool moment. But when we talked about like this running back core and who was going to be the, you know, the bell carrier, you know, the bell cow, uh, we knew that Teon fleet Davis was going to be that guy, but behind him, you know, we listed a couple other guys. We listed the penny boons of the world. We listed the Isaiah Jacobs of the world. Famitao was low, was low on the depth chart there, uh, so he's really, really maximized his opportunities when he's gotten them this year.
0: Yeah, and you could talk all you want about preparing to be a game uh, like you're a starter, but there's only so many practice reps, and they're going to the actual starters. Right, So it's a whole different ball game when you actually get put in that situation, and you've seen that now. Uh, with with Challen, with the fact that Fleming and and uh, carrier are actually in these positions and performing like they're supposed to be in those positions because those first couple games it just wasn't there and I don't think they had gotten much run with the ones and so there was hard to build that rapport.
1: Right. And one of the things that I noticed in this game we had talked about like not abandoning the run and becoming. Two one dimensional through the passing game, right? In this game, statistically, nobody really had a big game running the football on the Maryland side of things. You know, even Famatel, 21 carries for 44 yards, the terrible average per carry. Teon Fleet Davis, 16, 16 carries for 40 yards, another terrible average per carry. Uh, but the thing I like about in this game, just between those two guys alone, that's 37 carries. The Terps didn't abandon the run game. They used it when they got down in the red zone, close to the end zone. And between those two guys, they accounted for three of the, the Terps touchdowns on the ground.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what we've, we've asked for. You know, you can't just drum up the fact that you have these all-star running backs. You can't make these things happen. But just don't go away from it. Keep keep threatening that it'll happen. Make them still have Gotta to Got to keep them it. honest. Because if you let everyone drop back, like, that's... <laughs> Tully is not going to beat nine, ten men dropping back. He's like you—we're not playing hail mary ball here. Like you have to keep them a little honest and run the ball. Yeah, and one of the things that I've noticed
1: too—that we talked a little bit about when we were at the stadium. Well, I think one of the biggest things that's missing from this offense this year are the the big play touchdowns from the running game specifically like you think back to last year and all the the big breakaway touchdowns that Jake Funk had and the year before that between Leak and, and Anthony McFarlane McFarlane in the Ohio State game had a couple himself like I said going back to Funk last year against Minnesota he had a few in that game himself we just haven't seen that I don't know the stat behind it I don't have the stat behind it but I, I can tell you just in 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 the the games that we've been to and the games that we've watched you don't see those 40 50 60 yard touchdown runs not in this offense
0: yeah we're not getting and maybe it's because we're missing a few bodies I mean we very well know the wide receiver injuries that we're dealing with but the running backs is kind of a mystery uh our missing buddy here Ahmed gets a chance to clear that up on the injury issues in the uh, running back room uh, with a question to coach locks Hey, hey, coach. Um, uh,
3: obviously, Teontay uh, Davis and Challen uh, they did a good job of kind of establishing the run. So, from your perspective, what do you think they did well? And um, don't believe we saw Isaiah Jacobs and Penny Boone. If uh, there's a status update on them,
2: yeah. I mean, Challen and Teontay um, both uh, did a good job of taking what the defense gave them. Um, we needed to run the ball there in that four-minute situation, they both did a really good job of protecting the ball, making some plays uh, down the field, made a couple guys miss. You know, with uh, you know, Penny was a late scratch due to injury, and then you know Isaiah is coming back off of the high ankle sprain. We warmed him up. He was dressed. He would have been an emergency for, emergency player for us, but you know, those two veteran players, Chadlin and Fleet, have continued to be really consistent when given opportunities, um, and, and, and we're lucky to have that that type of depth at the position.
0: Yeah, I, I misspoke earlier. I said a healthy scratch. I meant a late scratch is what I was going for there. Uh, he he definitely is still a little banged up. Uh, it is interesting to know that Jacobs was available, but they were hesitant. So they they knew they needed to win that game, but they weren't really willing to to bust it out unless they needed it.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest with you, though. If it was a high ankle sprain and this was the first I had heard that, uh, of the injury itself, I knew he was dealing with something. I just didn't know how severe it was. High ankle sprains you know, are a four to five week usually window in coming back from that one 100% healthy Uh, so you know in this game I think it was the one game that maybe you could hold him out yeah as important as this win was uh, you definitely need him ready for the next stretch of three so I'm glad that he was able to get that extra week rest because we're going to
0: need him for this stretch I don't know who's out there hurting Boone, but that's a big boy to to get (laughs) injuries on. He's probably got like a turf toe or something like those big guys get, because I don't think you can injure anything up top on that boy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, But in this game, though, where was the death? I mean, because outside
1: of those two running backs – we didn't see any of McDonald out there. We didn't see any of Roman Hemby out there. I mean, at this point with Hemby, maybe they're just saving him for his red shirt uh, to try to limit his exposure to keep him for, you know, an extra year. Uh, but beyond those two, if you've got, you know, again, Boone was a late scratch and Jacob's still dealing with the injury, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> And, and Fred, am, am I
0: crazy? Because I remember Kobe McDonald had a run to the right side yeah. that went out of bounds, and he's not on the stat sheet. So I guess that was called back for a penalty. It must I don't have know. been. I don't remember it being called back for a penalty, but when I looked on the stat sheet, I was like, nah, that bro definitely touched the ball.
1: He definitely <laughs> did. Uh, I don't remember if that was called back or penalty or not, but that's a good point. I've forgotten all about that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty small rotation of running back, especially when you compare it to the years past. Uh, yeah, but hopefully that to, changes here soon with getting Jacobs and Boone back.
0: Yeah. It's hard to call it depth when you're used to seeing three running backs every week. And now we're seeing one to two. So I don't, I mean, I know you've got to say that you got to keep your boys happy, but like we got to get these guys back and healthy before we actually have depth. Right. Well,
1: Ahmed also had a chance to talk with Challen while covering for inside the black and goal as he talks a little bit about the tempo of the game
3: obviously you guys were able to start out fast and then when indiana retook that lead and you guys had that next offensive series i guess what was the mindset in order to i guess make sure that you guys were were able to kind of keep pushing and, and maintain um, that well, our main thing was just playing with a tempo um, one thing last year um, that indiana were good at they were good at um you know catching on signals and all that so coming into this game we wanted to just catch them off guard you know when they try to match our personnel, we, we try to hurry up and play and uh you know call the snap so we can catch them off guard and uh you know,
1: we do what we do. I like that approach. I like also limiting the substitutions on the defensive side of the ball and keeping those players out there. Also, I just feel personally, I feel like Talia and this offense gets into a better rhythm when they keep up the pace like that. When they take too much time and they're huddling up and they're running the play clock down to the last second, I just don't – I feel like it throws them off a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the tempo looked really similar to that first quarter of Iowa before all the wheels fell apart. Yeah, the second quarter was bad, but luckily not as bad as the Iowa second quarter. Uh, this next clip's a little similar, but Coach talks a lot more in detail of these night and day quarters and what the difference really was.
2: Yeah, the goal was to start fast, and and one of the, the things we we started the game with offensively was we wanted to play with tempo, and so the first two drives you saw us executing. You know, our, our fast tempo, or our fast-paced system, because, you know, Indiana's one of those teams that tries to hold their calls on defense until you make a call, and then they get lined up. And so the goal was to start fast, and we did. We were able to get ahead. But then once they saw that was our game plan, they made the adjustment, and they just started bringing pressure from all over the place. Mic plugs, corner five, corner cats, uh, fires from the field. And that's when we tagged our RPO stuff and got out of the fast-paced system that we were running. And uh, Leah struggled early in the second quarter a little bit with his decision making. It took us a while to get in at halftime. Once we got in at halftime, we kind of said, hey, here's what they're doing. And we were able to settle him down, at least with his eyes. And then uh, he, things just started clicking for him. He started making the throws and guys like Carlos Carrier, Marcus Fleming, you know, Rock and Jared all stepped up and, and really uh, helped us.
0: Uh, well coach says they uh (laughs) they hold calls and players as they steal signs so I tend to believe the player I bet that's what was said in meetings this week (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably so uh (laughs) well the opponent made a change on the sideline why can't we make changes on the sideline right yeah I mean that's that's kind of my part of my frustration is the fact that you know he talks about how we needed to get into half and and get him calmed down get his eyes settled but that's not what happened on the other side of the ball. Like we were dominating them and they made a change. So why can't you then respond in a drive or two and make your change there in the sideline instead of trying to survive to the half. I mean, you've got iPads now, you've got the still photos, you got all these this technology that makes the sidelines not that much different than, than halftime. inside halftime. Right. So it, it seems to be more of a recognition thing. And also, we talked about the about the screens. I think he did make an adjustment. All of a sudden we were throwing 4 out of 5 plays were screens. None of them worked, but that was his first adjustment was something that didn't work. I don't right. it wasn't like it wasn't like we were doing the same thing and they were stopping us. Like they may have stopped a couple of plays and I was not paying attention, but the majority was all of a sudden instead of throwing a 5-10 yard pass downfield, we're throwing a wide receiver bubble screen we're throwing a tunnel screen we're doing these little and none of them were working so you tried to slow down that pressure that you're talking about coming from all over the field with a screen which is logical but whatever kind of pressure they were bringing was not being affected by the screens at all. Right. Was, there was definitely some safety valves in place.
1: Yeah, their pressure was definitely coming from the interior and they had their outside guys playing the flats for those screens. Uh, and again, they did a really, really good job of shutting that down. It's just you got to make a quicker adjustment to that to, to go back to what was
0: working, which are the, the passes 10 yards and beyond downfield. Yeah, luckily didn't cost us the game, but having a whole quarter of stagnation like that really could have. So got to find a way, whether it's the quarterback's issue of not being able to pick up in the spot or whether it's a coaching issue of not – Having the ability to do it there on the sidelines, we got to be able to make those changes faster, right? Well, Coach mentioned in this as well that
1: Rack continues to just work. He was out there making it easier for the rest. We we said that we needed to see a little bit more out of Rack as a as the true leader of this wide receiver core, uh, and he did that because he was double covered for the majority of this game. Still managed to come up with five catches for eighty eight. Uh, one which was a deep bomb to the visitor sideline, which was like kind of a miracle catch with a strong hands to secure through the impact with the awkward ball. Play. Placement. Uh
0: Rock really, really stepped up and had a big game. Yeah, both of us kind of looked at each other. Yeah. I go, I don't know how he called that. I said, I, and you're like, I was thinking the same thing. The <laughs> yeah. way he called that ball was like half on his chest and hands like <laughs> by edges of the balls that it's not supposed it, to be it, it wasn't somehow even how he clamped that shit it
1: wasn't that he caught it because the catch itself was understandable it was the way he was holding it and then yeah. being able to retain possession yeah. as he got hit
0: he fully messed up on the hand placement yeah. of the ball it wasn't a bad throw or anything it was the ball should have been an easy catch right but where he put his hands i have no idea how the ball stayed in control through that that impact but he made it work
1: right for sure and Marcus Fleming, uh, another very good game from him as he continues to play hot and get better and better and more acclimated into the offense. I said this at the, at the game and at the stadium. I'm not comparing him to him. I just see a similar vibe from him. He reminds me of a Deshaun Jackson because he has that explosive-type speed. He can work in space really good. He's small, so he's going to go down
0: easily, uh, but he is a big play weapon waiting to happen, I believe. And he had some sure hands this week, which is what we've been looking for. The only drop I can remember is the deep bomb. It's usually the Demas play. down deep on the hashes. It was probably like a 45-yard bomb, and it bounced off his hand's helmet, something. Uh, But it was definitely he was having to go seven feet in the air, had a bunch of defenders around him. It was that moment where we missed Demas, but it was an understandable drop. If that's the only one you're going to have, I'm happy with your day. There were definitely other people that had some some stone hands. Right. Well, it's just good. It's good to see him, again, getting
1: acclimated to the offense and Talia building that you know rapport with him because uh, he's going to be important down the stretch after these big injuries to the, to the wide receiver core. Still not happy, though, with the production out of the tight ends, and I don't blame the tight ends for it. I blame the the lack of utilization in the offense of the tight ends. I mean, they just didn't have a whole lot of opportunities. They were blocking. We saw C.J. Dupree out there as a blocking tight end and as a fullback lined up in the goal line situation we talked about earlier. Um, It gave me some Vern Davis vibes to see him in the backfield. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but again, Chig, uh, Deiches. I think Deiches might have had one target in this game. Chig might have had two targets in this game. Just not a whole
0: lot of involvement out of the tight ends. Yeah, they were they weren't getting the getting the job done, but like you said, they were doing a different job. Yeah. Um, Brian Cobbs, however, it was not an opportunity issue. Uh he dropped yeah. almost everything that went to him. Had one very good catch down the field uh that looked good, but and then it scared the absolute hell out of me when I saw he he was on the hands team for that final onside kick. But not just him.
1: I mean, looking out there, there
0: wasn't anybody there was a that, bunch of linebackers yeah. and like some deep second third string wide receivers like for all the people that you all the starters that you're putting on your normal kick return team your normal punt return team for that to be your hands team blew my mind a hundred percent where are the people that catch the ball right I don't, I don't. Why? Why do you have eighty linebackers on this hands team? Right. <laughs> Thankfully, that ball was a pretty easily, uh, you know,
1: to to defend ball uh, or catch ball, and we secured the win. But yeah,
0: it worked perfect for that. For that kicker, because that right. was a bouncing kick over the front line. So all the front line people blocked and hit people, and the back guy <laughs> caught it. But if they would have had some line drive at one of those linebackers, I'm not so sure that we would be walking out of the stadium smiling after watching them go 85 yards and three plays to get within one score. Right. All right. Well, either way, Terps end up winning this game. We've got the
1: five now, still in search for that one more, that elusive sixth win. Uh, but like I said, it's basically murderers row, big 10 East football comes up as you got number 22, Penn state next you go on the
0: road to Michigan state. And then number nine, Michigan this is a tough, tough stretch for the Terps. Yeah. I mean, 22, five, nine, three top 25 teams, also known as a hard season in the ACC those are just our next three opponents right i don't, I don't understand uh it, it's just the way of the big Ten life man we already survived one murder well didn't survive it we 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 limped through it another murderer's row and we get rewarded with another one right is uh, the only unranked team left on our schedule so we got to find yeah. a win in here somewhere, whether it's somebody slipping up or whether it's a Rutgers matchup where probably both teams are going to be looking for that sixth win in that. Hopefully they're dead in the water and have like three or four wins at that point point. Yeah. and they just don't care. That'd be great. Or hopefully we catch somebody sleeping. Do we get this week? Let's do it this week. Let's get there this week. Let's just get it out of the way. Rest, make the rest of the season like less stressful,
1: less stress. <laughs> don't have to worry about it. If we get extra wins, it's just extra, you know fluff on the year we just need to get that sixth win if we could do it this week against the 22nd ranked Penn State Nittany Lions how great would that feel at home Uh, as they come in five and three same record but they're ranked 22nd in the country right now uh, after the recent loss to the Buckeyes 33 to 24 over the weekend uh this was a big win for us last year against Penn State as we went up to Penn State, not in front of any fans, but we beat them pretty handily 35-19. to 19. That was Rock's kind of coming out part. He had five catches for 144 yards and two touchdowns. He
0: had a couple of slant. <laughs> the touchdowns were on the exact same play. Yeah, they looked like
1: a mirror image of each other on those uh, post-pattern touchdowns. Uh, Sean Clifford. He was he was pressured pretty much all game in that game. Ruben, Nasila Keith, they both had two sacks in that game each. Uh, so if we can continue with that, that would be a huge, huge difference maker uh, on the defensive side. Because honestly, Clifford has been pretty pedestrian this whole entire season. He's never been one that's just athletically stood out. I know he threw for over 300 yards against us last year, uh, but he's just never been that prototypical Penn State quarterback that, you know, has been
0: there year after year. He just I don't know, he's just kind of pedestrian to me, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean the big red dog's not much to fear for, you know, it's, what do you <laughs> But if, if but if we're sitting here thinking that we're gonna have the uh the Penn State experience we've seen recently with the checked out head yeah. coach that you know, isn't paying attention to what's going on, you you got another thing coming. I, nobody hates Mike Loxley more than James Franklin. Right. We have seen that time after time. They have apparently something rough went down when they were both on this Maryland staff because those guys can barely make eye contact. They don't like each other. Either one of them has a chance to run up the score. They do. So you are going to get both, both horns in this game, whatever you want to call it. There is not going to be this overlooking thing. Uh, luckily I think we got our locker room back with this win. I think we'll have the fans back after this win. So we got a couple things going for us, but that checked out head coach is not going to help us. Right. Uh, Listen, this is, this is a game out of the next three
1: that I think if we're going to steal one. This is the game where I think coach can coach them up to be able to do that. I'm not saying we're going to. I just think out of these next three games, being at home, again, coming off the big win against Indiana, beating them last year in Penn State, I feel a little bit more confident going into this game than I normally would for a Penn State game. I know we got our asses handed to us a couple years ago at home to this Penn State team. uh, It's not a blackout. It's not at night. That's right. I was just getting (laughs) ready to say that. It's a big build. That's exactly right. (laughs) Uh I will say this, at Penn State, you know, when you're looking at what this team kind of presents on the offensive side, like I said, Sean Clifford's just kind of been pedestrian from a running game perspective. They're really they're only averaging 3.3 yards per carry as a team. Uh they've got a three-headed attack, but nobody really jumps out. Junior Noah Kane, he's kind of their primary ball carrier and receiving back. He's the kind of do it all, but Still statistically hasn't put up a big year. They've got a sophomore in uh, Kayvon Lee and a senior in John Lovett that'll see some carries. Uh, But again, nothing a real threat in the running game where you have to watch out for this team. This is going to be a big challenge.
0: Is if you have young children. Uh, I wasn't going to go there, but you can. <laughs> well, you said if you really have to watch out for this team, I just figured we we put out the warning. Make sure it's yeah. Halloween. Keep your kids safe, everyone. Uh,
1: the wide receiver core on this team can be dangerous. Senior Jahan Dotson, 5'11, 184 pound speedster. This kid is a problem. 60 catches, 690 yards, and six touchdowns on the year. Put it in perspective. Rakim leads the Terps with 31 catches for comparison. So this guy's got double the amount of catches. Uh, Also
0: known as what Demas would have had.
1: Well, maybe, maybe. (laughs) We'll guess similar pace. Uh, Sophomore Parker Washington's 5'10", 207 pounds, 41 catches, 482 yards and two touchdowns. So that's where they're going to be. They're going to beat you. It's going to be through the air. Uh, So this secondary is going to be tested.
0: I hope that's where they try to beat us because that's the only place I think we can compete with them because our run defense has been less than pedestrian for a couple weeks now. I, I, I need to see a lot more out of them, but with Bennett back this week, Jacorian, and hopefully Kenny back next week, uh, our DBs are back to being pretty much full strength, and like we said at the beginning of the year, they're we're right there with our wide receivers for the top crew. Right defensively this team's ranked 38th in the nation they're giving up
1: 342 yards total per game uh they've got a good linebacker tandem and senior ellis brooks and junior brandon smith both of them lead the team in tackles uh their defensive end senior arnold arnold abikiti will say that leads the team in sacks with 5.5 similar build to sam o uh looks very, very similar uh in stature Senior safety, Jahar Brown, leads the team with three interceptions. They actually have a very, very good secondary, uh, so this is going to be a challenge for Talia and this offense.
0: All right. Well, it's not quite as a shiny Bob Ross, as you said, picture from last week that Ahmed gave us, but this is a bit of a different team, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely
1: a bit of a different team, and uh, going by our predictions that we have for this year, Ahmed did not seem to feel too confident going into this game.
0: Yeah, well, we'll start with his. that we ours feel less depressing. <laughs> um, Ahmed predicts this game. Uh, he wasn't right last week. Fred was the closest. So we have a chance that maybe Ahmed's wrong now. Um, 48-13 with PSU. Ped State. <laughs> taking taking it down. I, I just... The, he's probably right, but I just don't love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I won't be happy if that's the final score. If we lose that bad at home um, to this team, I mean, listen, I understand uh, they're they're one of the better teams in the Big Ten, but you got to prove that you can keep up with these teams. You got to prove that you can even compete with these teams. We did it last year. We beat them. We should be able to stay with this team at home. I'm not going to pick the Terps to win this week, but I am going to predict this to be a closer game than what Ahmed has. it. I think our offense will be able to do more than put up 13 points a game. The only way way I see us only putting up 13 points in this game is if Talia falls back to what he did against Iowa and Lord hope that does not happen in this game. I think Talia learns from that. I think to your point, Loxley wants this game more than any on his schedule i think he's had this ske- this circle so six. does franklin so i understand that <laughs> but this means something extra for loxley uh i think the terps will be in this game but i don't have them winning it i've got the nittany lions winning 38 34
0: 38 34 yeah i think right, we're well there it. goes there goes my next question because i was going to ask if i picked the the lions to win but i was the closest score whether i could get credit if we did win but <laughs> you're actually closer than i had it um so that takes the pressure off me uh <laughs> forcing myself to pick the terps i i i don't see it god i hope i'm wrong i was definitely wrong and i let me be wrong now um but i i take it 35 28 i mean i think that yeah loxley wants it more but loxley really wants a bowl game more than anything and um James Franklin will be sitting in California by the time his bowl game starts. So, this is his Super Bowl. This is all there is. Like, he wants to end this guy that he has couldn't stand for the last decade they've known each other. And, I mean, I don't know who you know mess with who's wife or called somebody's daughter ugly or what well, <laughs> happened but this is bigger than football between those two it really is yeah they, like you could put dueling pistols in their hands i don't i don't, I don't know man it's i i think that this is the, we're gonna get both horns of course it has to be played by the players they don't get to go fist fight at the 50 yard line which would be really interesting to watch <laughs> uh so so maybe i'm wrong maybe the players get it taken care of i mean right now you know transitive property i said last week rutgers is better than them too because rutgers just took down illinois oh, God, here we to. go so you know maybe this is our easiest game we have left on the schedule
1: iowa just <laughs> lost to
0: wisconsin, wisconsin <laughs> lost to- <laughs> here we go again connecting the dots this may be the easiest one who knows I s- probably still rutgers but technically transit property says it's this one so i hope we win it
1: is this the first game this year that all three of us have picked against the terps to win
0: no, Ohio State. Ohio none State. Us, okay, right. None of us had work that crazy. That's right. Um, I forgot about Ohio State. But that one, I was confident we were losing. Right. This one, I can see the world where we win. I can. Um, you were definitely closer on this game than any of us were on Ohio State. I think I'm even closer on this game than any of us were on Ohio State. Yeah. Um. So there's definitely some hesitation. I'd love to be wrong. Get number 6 out of the way. Stop the temptation because I've been looking at buying Rutgers tickets on the road and (laughs) taking another day off work to go see the 6th win. We're going bowling, Uh, (laughs) Brian. But going bowling. Exactly. If we win the 6th game now and I know there's a bowl in the schedule, I can just wait and buy some bowl tickets. So (laughs) it'd be really nice if we just got that taken care of right now. That's right. Well, get out there and support your Terps. Tickets are still
1: on sale. Come say hi to us. We'll be in Lot 4B tailgating as always. We'll be in Section 7 sitting there uh, for the game. Come say hi if you want to be a part of the show, you want to be a part of the mailbag, which we didn't do this week, send in your questions for next week's show. You can hit us up on social media at Shell Intel Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Ryan at TerpsBSpert. You can follow me at FredBLBS. Follow Ahmed at are the Turtle. And make sure you follow and subscribe to
0: Inside the Black and Gold. Ryan, sign us off. Guys, I've, I've had a lot of fun with this, man. It just keeps growing. we got big news out there. We're talking to players about interviews. We're talking to, to Terrapin Club about doing more things and involved with, with more things. It's really growing. So I'm really happy with you guys being a part of it. Uh, thank you for your support. Let's keep this rolling. You've got Terps fans that don't know about us yet, let us know. We're not letting any secrets out there. Spread the word for us. Get this thing out there. And this weekend, let's go get number six and get it over with, baby. Get Terps. Roll Terps. Until next time, here's the wishing, all is well, under the show.